0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome one and all to another episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, the site manager of SB Nation's grizzlybearblues.com. Very fortunate to be in that position, in that spot, uh, going into uh, another chance for the Grizzlies to make a run at the, uh, at the playoffs and hopefully beyond that. Uh, but obviously, many miles to go before we get there. And I appreciate, however you're listening, whether it's on Google, on Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, or if you're checking out the spaces. We are currently recording in a Twitter Spaces. Uh, Had to make some uh, minor adjustments to the schedule. You know what they say, uh, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Or when a blogger has three small children and they can't go to sleep, be flexible in terms of how you uh, do your podcasting. So we are going to have Mark... Schindler on uh, on with us uh, next week on our next episode of the show, and I figured the best thing to do would be to talk to you, uh, the Twitter audience, uh, for GBV Live and for GrizzlyBearBlues.com and all those fun things, and get your take on uh, the approaching final twelve games for the Memphis Grizzlies, and then obviously the postseason. Ways to get in touch with the show: you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax if you so choose. If you want to make that poor decision. In your life, you can follow our podcast on Twitter at GVB Live. The main focus of this briefer episode of the podcast is going to be uh, from the question of the day that was directly derived from that uh, Twitter account at GVB Live. So make sure you're following there if you don't already do so. Uh, my guest host, or not my guest host, excuse me, my co host, Parker Fleming, the associate editor alongside uh, Brandon Abraham over at GBB at Paca underscore Flocka. He is buying a house. So congratulations to Parker. He's out celebrating with his bride to be Allie. So uh, congratulations to him and Allie on their uh, impending investment and uh, their pending nuptials here coming up soon, getting married. So big time things for Parker excited for him. So he has the night off. You are going to be my guest. You are going to be my confidant, You are going to be my friend, hopefully, in the Twitter spaces, and obviously, as you listen to this recording, uh, you can just enjoy the conversation that we have uh, among Grizzlies fans and friends, okay? Um, And of course, the blog itself, grizzlybearblues.com, very fortunate. I've been writing there for nine years almost now, which is pretty remarkable, and I have uh, been the host of this podcast for about seven years, eight years. And I have been the site manager for five years at SBN Grizzlies is the Twitter handle. So um, when you have three small children, six, three, and one, maybe you should stop being a blogger. Haven't gotten that hint yet, Uh, but they're asleep now, hopefully, and we can get into talking Grizzlies playoff basketball. Um, I think that the first thing to discuss on this episode of the show would be the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies are in a position of strength entering these final 12 games. And the main reason for that when compared to the other team directly in the hunt for the playoff positioning of the number two seed, the Golden State Warriors are not as healthy as the Memphis Grizzlies are. Uh, We're looking at a Warriors team that now is dealing with an injury to Steph Curry, which is dramatically important for them. I believe the Warriors – are a little more than seven points worse per game, uh, or excuse me, uh, in terms of net rating per 100. um, They are seven points worse without Curry on the floor, which makes a lot of sense. Curry is a perennial MVP, all-NBA type of player. So losing him for the rest of the regular season, it sounds like he will be back for the playoffs. At least Golden State is optimistic for that. Uh, That puts the Grizzlies currently one game ahead of Golden State for the number two seed in the Western Conference in the Catbird seat for that position. Memphis plays Golden State one more time. Memphis already likely will have the tiebreaker uh, because of divisional records. That's the next tiebreaker. Say Golden State beats Memphis in March, late March, March 28th, I believe they play. Uh, The Grizzlies will have a chance to then go and earn that tiebreaker even further if they win that game. But again, if it's 2-2, Golden State, and Memphis, I believe the next level down in terms of tiebreaker is division record, and the Grizzlies will surpass Golden State not too easily, but it's pretty, pretty easily uh, in terms of what the division records are, and Memphis will have that tiebreaker. So the Grizzlies are in a pretty solid position to be the number two seed. And what does that mean? That means that they are in a spot where they do not have to worry about almost certainly don't have to worry about the Denver Nuggets. Uh, you're, lo- you're looking at a play-in type of team like the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers perhaps. Somebody along those lines is who you're going to be competing with instead of one of those elite teams like a Denver Nuggets. If they're healthy, you're in a, a much tougher spot to get out of the first round. And I think that we don't talk about that as much in Grizzliesdom. Because we are very excited about this young team that's having such a remarkable, overachieving season. Once you get to the playoffs, a lot of it's about matchups. Minnesota's going to be a tough matchup. I think Denver would be, especially if they're healthy. Uh, you know, There's rumors that Jamal Murray is starting practicing with their G League affiliate. Maybe Michael Porter Jr. will be joining him here soon if he hasn't already done so. If that team is healthy, Denver is supposed to be a title contender, whereas the Grizzlies are not. Minnesota is in the same boat as the Grizzlies. They're just not as good at it as Memphis is. So I personally would rather see Minnesota than Denver. So that two seed matters in that way. And then the two seed also, of course, matters in a hypothetical second round series against the Golden State Warriors, assuming Golden State gets past their 3-6 matchup against, presumably, the Denver Nuggets or someone of that ilk. Now you have home court advantage. And if it comes to a Game 7 You've got the raucous Memphis Grizzlies fans and FedEx Forum getting very excited for their team being in that position of strength. So you really have that two seed, that's a, a good playoff pro. That's a positive. They have something that they can chase now. They are a young team. The idea of rest beyond, you know, maybe a banged up John Morant. He got the night off in Indiana on Tuesday night. They didn't need him. They won. I think by 33 or 32 points, it was a blowout victory without Morant on the floor. So you got Ja extra time to rest the back. Beyond a game or two like that, you have something to chase. You want to be that two seed for a variety of reasons. And I'm curious to anybody in the Twitter spaces if you have a take on that two seed positioning. I think that's a pro entering the playoffs now. You are in a position of strength to be that two seed, to have that home court advantage potentially in the second round. And that could make all the difference when it comes to being in a spot to contend. If you want to be a contender, you have to at least get out of the first round. And obviously it's much easier to do that. If you're in that two seed, as opposed to that three seed, because of the matchups, because of the home court advantage, because of how things are kind of are lining up for the Grizzlies, in terms of their health. They're starting to get guys back, like Dylan Brooks. Obviously, with Steph Curry and uh, Golden State struggling with the issues of getting Draymond Green back, there's lots of moving parts there. The Warriors are not in as good of a sound space. Okay, Um, So let's go to uh, young Harriet, who is in uh, the the spaces that our Bryson Wright does, excuse me, uh, that our Bryson does um really does a great job with those and young harriet is interested in chiming in on this by all means young harriet uh here on gbb live and in our spaces conversation uh chime in on where you are in terms of the two seed conversation do you agree with me that that's a pro at this point like if the grizzlies continue where they are they should be the two seed or are you a little less uh, gung-ho about it than me Go ahead, Young.
1: I think that the Grizzlies being a two seed is definitely a pro because the Grizzlies have earned it. And it's not like the Grizzlies don't have playoff experience. Yes, they are young in terms of the numbers. But in in terms of the team that they will play, which may be the Minnesota Timberwolves, The Grizzlies squad has been together at least three years, and they have been through playoff-like scenarios. So that's why I believe that the number two seed is a positive. And uh, coming into the season, there was no expectation for the Grizzlies to even be this high up in the standings. For them to do this and possibly get out of the second, out of the first round, excuse me, you know, everything after that to me is just, you know, house money.
0: Massively important to keep that perspective. You're exactly right. The fact that they're even here is, you know, not a miracle. That's a little too much hyperbole even for me. It is remarkably impressive that this young team, fourth youngest team in the NBA now, has the opportunity to be a legitimate championship contender. We have to keep that in mind. Even if they were to lose in the first round, which is possible. Again, we have to be uh, balanced enough in our fandom to acknowledge that possibility. I don't think it's a probability. Memphis should be favored in a first-round series, but it is possible. Even if that were to happen, this season has been an overwhelming success. They're likely to win their first division championship in – the history of the franchise. And as we've talked about on this show before, the front office is still not actively pursuing the opportunity to be a championship contender. The roster does not reflect that in terms of the moves they've made. They have continued to make franchise decisions that are aligned with the concept of being a rebuilding team. And obviously they are not a rebuilding team. They are a, by all accounts, in terms of, offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, whatever statistical number you want, or if you just want to go by win percentage, they are a contender. And I think that that is something to be proud of if you're a Grizzlies fan and also acknowledge that they're very ahead of schedule and that all possible outcomes are on the table. Could the Memphis Grizzlies make the NBA Finals? Yeah, I think that's possible. The Phoenix Suns should be the favorite as the playoffs approach. The unquestioned favorite, in my opinion. Phoenix has played Phenomenal basketball. They were in the NBA Finals last year. They've done remarkable things, and they've been able to maintain some of that production even without their second best, or you know, some people would argue their best player in Chris Paul. I, I would not disrespect Devin Booker that way. I think Chris Paul is their second best player, but still, even without Paul, they have been able to at least keep their head above water better than I think many of us, at least me, uh, thought they might. Let's go to David Sweat at dash 647. Thanks for uh, chiming in here on the spaces. Very interested in your take on this, David. Uh, We're going to be talking about cons here in a moment. I'm going to be a negative Nancy here momentarily. But I'm going to start with a positive, David. The two seed. I think that they should be the favorite now to gain the two seed with Steph Curry out. Obviously, Golden State has some young talent. I don't think they're going to completely fall off. But Memphis is healthier. Memphis is in a position where their record is – or excuse me, their schedule – is a little bit easier than Golden State's, I believe. Is the two-seed, in your opinion, now Memphis' is to lose? David? Yeah, I think it's it ours
2: to lose, and I think the, the as far as – I mean, I'd rather be the two-seed, obviously. You want to be the highest seed you can be. We're not going to catch Phoenix, um, but I think there's a couple of things that need to happen. The only thing um, that I would not want to be a two-seed for is if we had a chance – to match up instead of against Minnesota, match up against Utah. Because I think Utah is falling apart, or there's something wrong with Utah, especially since they lost uh, Joe Ingles. So I'd rather play Utah than Minnesota because, you know, Ant- Ant-Man and-, and Cat are awesome, and-, and Pat Beverly has really changed something for uh, the Timberwolves in a really positive way. But I think the key for us right now is if we, the the Grizzlies, in other words, can stay healthy and get the chemistry right because all these other teams that are either trying to integrate players that have been out for a while or they've got guys out with injuries right now and they've got to come back, we've seen it ourselves that it's not smooth and always just automatic, that things are going to go well when you reintegrate somebody who's been out of the rotation. So, um, you know, I think it's Go for the two-seed, stay healthy, but if you have a chance to go in Utah, that would be good, too. That's my take.
0: I think that's a good take, and Utah is a team that we kind of forget about as well. Maybe we shouldn't because of the Mike Conley connection, but you're right for whatever reason, whether it's the Ingles injury and subsequent trade after that, whether it is tension between uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, whatever the case might be, the Jazz have been struggling, and the Jazz, of course, were the team that outclassed the Grizzlies in almost every way beyond that game one upset in the first round of the playoffs last year, understandably so Utah was the number one seed Memphis again, happy to win that play in tournament and and get to that spot winning two games there. I really am kind of impressed with the idea that Memphis is in a better position than teams like Utah teams like the Lakers and the Clippers, obviously, squads that are very much, especially in the case of the Lakers, they are interested in winning as soon as possible. They are all in, right? They went all in for Russell Westbrook, and boy, does that look bad. Uh, they, the Clippers are all in, and injuries have kind of derailed them more so than the Lakers. But you have multiple teams in Utah being a good example of that. They are in the mold of a contender. They are in their title window. The Grizzlies are not, and I continue to reiterate that. They are not in a title window. They haven't opened it fully yet because they haven't made a move or two to put themselves in that spot. They have been playing the likes of Zaire Williams, a 20-year rookie or 20-year-old rookie, excuse me, who is or was before his ankle injury earlier in the season. Statistically speaking, he was the worst rotation player in the National Basketball Association. Again, that's not opinion. That that's statistical data, various measures. You know, P.E.R., wind shares for 48 minutes, cleaning the glass, various numbers there. You could find a variety of pieces of evidence to suggest that Zaire was one of the worst players in the NBA before his ankle injury. Now, he obviously is a functional rotation player as a young rookie who we were told, understandably so, to be patient with because he was going to be a project. John Conchar has gotten more minutes than most of us expected him to. Shout out to Brandon Abraham's boy and his uh, dunk shots uh, on putbacks. That, again, surprising outperformance or overperformance is, is kind of the norm for this team at this stage. And John Conchar is kind of the personification of that. He has been a rotation piece for a number two team in the NBA. Now, when you get to the playoffs, how much of that is sustainable would be the next question. And that's something we're going to tackle more. In the next segment, uh, I'm really kind of convinced at this stage that if the Grizzlies were to lose in the first round, I personally would not be disappointed. I'm curious, and I'll go to Young Harriet first, and then back to David since you guys have uh, have chimed in speaking. Uh, young Harriet, again, expectations change, right? And I acknowledge my fandom is a little bit different than other people's if they got swept in the first round I genuinely don't think I'd be disappointed because this regular season has been that impressive I know that's probably a minority opinion say Memphis is the two seed they play the Minnesota Timberwolves and Minnesota shocks them in six games I think that's improbable I don't think that's going to happen but I do think it's possible it's not impossible young Harriet would you see this season as a failure if that happened for the Grizzlies? I'm still in the pro column, especially if they get that two seed. Uh, Would you look at the season any differently in terms of negativity if that scenario were to The
1: season, no. Because you can't do anything about games played. But in terms of playoff progression, yes. Because you don't play 82 games to become their two seed and lose to a team who – who on paper doesn't have the idea you have and doesn't have all the amount of playoff experience you do. So would I would not be disappointed in the season?
0: I think that's fair, and you were breaking up a little bit there, young Harriet, but I do think that you your general point kind of shined through the idea of being upset because of your positioning in the playoffs. But not so much, you know, letting that kind of take away from the regular season. I think that's a good way to kind of perceive it. Uh, is that a fair thing? Like I said, you're breaking up a little bit. young. A little bit. Oh, yeah. That's
1: my basic point. Yes.
0: OK, fair enough. Well, thank you, young Harry. And hopefully you'll stick around for the, uh, the second part of our show here. David, same question to you. Uh, same hypothetical. Memphis is the two seed. Minnesota's the seventh. Minnesota wins in six games. Does that change how you feel positivity-wise about the season, or is it still gravy for you?
2: Oh, no, it doesn't make me change anything about the season. I think the season has been a resounding, amazing success. This this team probably, possibly, is, um, certainly from a statistical point of view, the argument can be made, this is the best Grizzlies team that has ever existed. And, um, and I think that, that there's some... Some real, you know, debates could be had, but I think there's a case to be made. And Ja going to the All-Star game as a starter, uh, just the progression, the rapid progression of Zaire Williams, the nice bounce back for Brandon Clark, uh, the um, um, amazing uh, positive impact that uh, Steven Adams has had. I mean, this season is far and away a success already. And if we lose in the first round, so be it. But the, the one thing I would say about it in terms of that is uh, we're young, we're unproven. Uh, most of the media pundits in America and maybe around the world just don't believe that the Grizzlies are a real threat. And my take on that take that I've heard all over uh, talk radio is, you, you know, you got to start somewhere with dynasties. And there was a time when Steph Curry and – uh, clay thompson and those guys were uh, going up against san antonio and unproven and they beat them and the rest is history and you never know in the nba with injuries with trades with whatever you never know when your window is fully and if uh, you can go as deep as you can go go for it try to win it all try to win it all this year try to win it all every year we've moved out of a nice story tier and into contention tier. And if you're in contention tier, then you got to play like you're in
0: contention. That's a very interesting point. I'm glad you said that because obviously ESPN is coming to Memphis for the Brooklyn Nets game. I think it's next week uh, that they're going to be in town. It's going to be like Memphis Grizzlies day over at ESPN leading into the Brooklyn Nets game that night uh, on ESPN. They they are still a story. I think that is the perception. Wow, look at this overachieving Grizzlies team. They are the best story of the NBA season. I think you hear that a lot. But like you alluded to, David, that, that has not transitioned for the national media and for members of the local media even, perhaps, including me, to be honest with you, into, okay, now take them seriously as an NBA Finals contender. I still struggle with that. I think you make a great point there in terms of... The idea that they're not just a story, right? We have to look at the numbers. Even the grit-and-grind truther that I am, you're not wrong. Statistically speaking, this is probably the best Grizzlies team of all time. I'm going to hold off my final judgment on that until I see how the regular season concludes. But I think the best record Memphis had was 56-26, something like that, was the best win-loss record. For Memphis in the history of the franchise maybe 57 and 25 but 56 and 26 stands out in my mind Um, obviously that's very much in play for these guys so they have a chance to make some history they've already made history it's been a successful season we're definitely looking at pros on that front when we come back from Grizzly or when we come back from break excuse me we are going to talk about a con we're going to talk about a potential negative entering into the postseason what aspect of what Memphis does really well are they going to be able to continue to do well entering the postseason? You're listening to GBB live on Twitter spaces. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. My co-host, Parker Fleming, at under, or Paca underscore flock, excuse me, not joining me this week. Had to call an audible because of some family things. Recording the podcast, we are going to have Mark from Indiana's uh, uh, from Basketball News and from the Indiana Pacers blog, uh, Indy Corn Rose, and that'll be next week's episode. Now called an Audible, I've had some great folks from and from Grizzlies Twitter joining me on the podcast here, which is much appreciated, and we'll continue that process. If you're listening in on Twitter Spaces, by all means, request to speak. I'd be happy to talk to you about. Our GBB Live question of the day, and that question of the day was a challenging one. At least it was for me. I thought about my vote for a pretty long while, if I'm being perfectly honest. Every time we record an episode of GBB Live, I pose a question of the day to our Twitter followers, thanks to the over 90 folks that voted in this week's poll. What aspect of their regular season success can the Grizzlies most likely continue when the playoffs begin? Uh, The options were offensive rebounding, where they're first in the NBA currently. Steals per game, where they are, are steals overall, I should say, excuse me, which they are first in the NBA in. Blocks, which they're first in the NBA in. Or assists, which they are seventh in the NBA in. And the reason I struggled with this is I'm concerned a con entering the playoffs, for me at least, is whether or not Steven Adams can stay on the floor. Because what makes their offense work so well, is the fact that they are in a position where they can get extra possessions, whether it's by creating steals and blocks. Our Parker Fleming did a great job writing about that, the cycle aspect of the Grizzlies' defense into offense that Taylor Jenkins hypes up all the time over at grizzlybearblues.com. If you haven't checked out that feature, by all means do so. Uh, He did a great job writing about that, taking defense, turning it into offense, the offensive rebounding of Steven Adams, which is elite at the NBA level, You know, So much of that comes from Steven, and yet he is not an offensive threat. He's not somebody that you're going to look at and say he is going to hurt us, especially from the perimeter. Maybe he gives you a solid post up. He can roll pretty well and get to the basket at times and finish at the rim in the pick and roll. But he is not an offensive weapon to the point where you have to game plan for him as a scorer, especially from beyond the arc. So that opens you up, depending on the matchup, like we were talking about in the first segment, to people completely disregarding him, a la Tony Allen, during the grit and grind era in the postseason, and not necessarily worrying about him and not letting guys like Desmond Bain and John Morant beat you, which is a much more concerning thing. So if they somehow play Steven Adams off the floor, you lose that offensive rebounding, you lose... A lot of the assists, to be honest with you, because Stephen Adams is third on this Grizzlies team in assists, total assists. It's Morant, and then Tyus, and then it's Stephen Adams. He's third. So playing him off means that you might see a dip in offensive rebounding and in assists. And that's not meant to degrade Stephen Adams. He's been hugely important. But once you get into a seven-game series— teams are going to pick apart your, your weaknesses. And I think that the fact that Adams is a non-factor from range is going to be a potential weakness that Memphis is going to have to figure out counters for. So for me personally, I voted for the option of steals because that's the one that the top one through five on the Grizzlies are not Steven Adams. You've got Kyle Anderson, De'Anthony Melton, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Brandon Clark. I think John Morant's even in that mix. Desmond Bain. You know, multiple guys that are going to be in the playoff rotation regardless. Uh, that That is where I went with my vote. So, again, the question was what aspect of their regular season success can the Grizzlies most likely continue when the playoffs begin? I voted steals. That was only 15%. The runaway winner was offensive rebounds. So, clearly, people do not share my concern. Uh, young Harriet, I'm going to bring you back in on this um, at Alley D81. Thank you for chiming in in the first segment again, by the way. I'm curious, if you voted in the poll, what option did you choose? And if you didn't vote in the poll, uh, which one would you pick? I'm kind of surprised that offensive rebounding was so high. I am concerned about keeping Stephen Adams on the floor. Am I too concerned about that in your opinion?
1: I think that particular concern is for the offensive rebound to continue at its – a little bit under, but I do think the Grizzlies could uh, continue at a ready enough for them to win. Because if you consider the matchups that the Grizzlies would have to would encounter in the, any other team, and maybe even the Golden State Warriors, could win Florida. I don't equate you know all the time with the Grizzlies simply. Gambling in that open. Young Harriet?
0: Yes. Yes, yeah, sorry. You're just breaking up again. So I'm going to give you a chance to maybe go try to find a, a better spot for your uh, connection. And I'm going to bring in Brendan Smart, uh, senior writer over for us at Grizzly Bear Blues. By all means, Brendan, thank you for joining us. It's much appreciated. Uh, young Harriet was doing a great job there. She just had a, a tough connection that happens sometimes. I'm curious as to your take on this, Brendan, the four options. Did you vote in the poll? If you did vote in the poll, what did you select? If you didn't, what would you pick? What do you think Memphis is most likely to take with them when the playoffs begin in terms of what they do really well? I was actually in a sim- in the similar boat you were in, in terms of trying try to do process of elimination. Um, the big thing right now is the Grizzlies sh- struggle to score in half-court offensive sets. Um, and, and one thing that I was leaning towards in terms of going away from offensive rebounds during, look, you know, looking at this poll was we removing Steven Adams from the floor to create more offense in those half court situations. Um, so I did pick steals just because, like you alluded to, um, you're going to have Kyle Anderson, Melton, guys like that that are consistently out there on the floor creating steals and creating that easy offense, which they've relied on all season. Massively important, Brendan. And I think that those they're going to have to continue to bring that pressure because, again, they're going to lose some of those extra possessions if something happens with Steven Adams in terms of being played off the floor. The free-throw shooting is a concern, too, in that way, right? Like, the, obviously, other Grizzlies struggle with free-throw shooting as well. It's not just Steven Adams. But if he is going to be an issue in terms of his shooting from the free-throw line, do we get into a hack-a-Steven, hack, a Steven, hack a kiwi scenario? And now you're looking at, okay, he's a liability at the close of games. We need extra possessions offensively. We're trying to get back in it. You know, he helps in that regard. He's an excellent screener. He's a very good passer, like we mentioned earlier. There are things that he does well, but he, more than any of the other Grizzlies, and maybe Kyle Anderson deserves a little bit of mention in this too, more than any other Grizzly, Adams has the possibility of being played off the floor depending on the matchup. And if you lose him, you lose that offensive rebounding, which makes me nervous. I think that the biggest takeaway from all of this for me, looking at what the Memphis Grizzlies have been this season and what they have to be in the postseason for them to have the maximum amount of success that they can, is to evolve as much as they can offensively I think a lot of that has to do with Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. Those are guys that you're going to have to depend on to find areas of their game to expand upon within the free-motion offense that Taylor Jenkins runs. John Morant's going to be John Morant. He's also going to be a guy that they focus their attention on, the opponent focuses their attention on for the entire series. They're going to try their best to take Morant away. And a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves knows how to do that. Ja has struggled uh for the most part against the timberwolves this year so if the grizzlies were to see the timberwolves in a seven game series that would make me a little bit nervous now you have to see desmond bain dylan brooks jaron jackson jr step up offensively and that is a cause for concern if you don't have adams out there creating those extra possessions it means the ones that you do have are going to be all that more valuable so on a positive end they're Grizzlies are almost certainly going to have home court as long as health allows it, as long as things don't collapse for them in that way. And that's a positive for them. Unfortunate for the Warriors with Steph Curry getting hurt. And obviously the Warriors have talented young players, so it's not like they're going to completely collapse. But the Grizzlies should be the favorite to get that two seed now. That gives them potential home court in a second-round series against said Warriors team. And it also gives them access to playing a play-in team as opposed to the Denver Nuggets like we talked about in the first segment. My con for this episode is a concern about what happens if Steven Adams gets played off the floor because he has proven that he's a heck of a lot more important than I think any of us thought he would be, even those of us like me that saw the value in bringing in a Steven Adams who can help contribute to winning basketball without taking away shots from Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, and other offensive players. Now that script gets flipped a little bit as the postseason approaches, and if he's not an offensive concern, do you lose the good things that Steven brings to the table as they take away the things that Jaw and Bain and Jaron and Dylan were able to add with Steven being in the fold? It's a fascinating question, one that we're going to continue to watch play out in the days, weeks and uh, months, hopefully, months ahead. That'll be it for this episode of GVB Live. Thank you to Brendan Smart. Thank you to Young Harriet. Thank you to David Sweat, I believe it was. Several folks chimed in on this Twitter Spaces edition. Sometimes you got to call audibles in life. I appreciate the folks that chimed in. I appreciate you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at GVB Live, at SBN Grizzlies for the blog itself. You can follow my co-host, who's not with us tonight, Parker Fleming, at Paca underscore Flocka. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to make that poor choice at Joe Mullinax, and you can subscribe to our GVB podcast network, listen to the 3&D podcast with Ben Hogan. You can listen to The Long View with my co-host, Parker Fleming. Uh, you could listen to The Starting Five, an amazing show with Perry Sharkey leading a charge over there. Four great shows across our network. By all means, check them out. Listen to them. We appreciate everything that you do making us at GVB a part of your Grizzlies fan experience. So thank you again to everybody that chimed in. I'm Joe Molinax. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.